Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. And for the first time of the 2020 season, how about them Broncos, huh? We finally got that win we were so looking forward to three weeks ago. And I let me be the first to say that this is a win that the team desperately needed because we could not go into week five, oh, and four. I mean, it already looked like, you know, people were fuming at the mouth or I don't know if that's the proper term. <laughs> um, just fuming, let's say that, you know, the, I get it. You know, people were, were pissed off that the Broncos were losing. But to, to kind of recap, you have to understand the teams that we played. Uh, you know, we played the Steelers, we played the Titans and we played the Bucks. Three teams that were highly considered to be into the playoffs this season. So these weren't just the, the teams like the Jets where they were pushovers. And secondly, you have to also remember that Denver is not at 100%. We do not have every single starting person on this roster like the teams that we have faced have. Well, except for the Jets. The Jets are pretty... Um, <laughs> sorry, that was my phone. The Jets are pretty beat up as we uh, as we all know. But... They're, they suffer from something else totally, completely different. They just have, uh, you know, total lackability in, in coaching. And they're, they're a whole different issue. Let's just put it at that. Um, but this was definitely a team that went in there with a backup quarterback, uh, a new right tackle, and a, a defense that had to go out there and prove a point saying that this team is not done this team is not out of it this team is not finished and that's exactly what we got this uh past thursday i was gonna say sunday <laughs> so without further ado let's get into some of the plays that you guys saw from that night uh first of all let's we have to talk about the let's start let's start with the bad because right out of the gate that very first play the uh, very first jets drive that run by Sam Darnold where he ran for 46 yards and he almost made it look like it was a like his impression of Lamar Jackson and there was a missed tackle by uh, Alexander Johnson and then there was a missed tackle by um by our safety well to his credit I know that um our say I don't know what our safeties were were thinking to be honest with you, because I've, I've watched that playback uh, like a hundred times. And Kareem Jackson, I don't know. Kareem Jackson didn't, he didn't even dive. He didn't even try to make an attempt. At least Simmons did, even though I, I guess Simmons overran his, his route or something. But Kareem Jackson didn't even, he didn't try to make a, a play or a dive or anything. I think there was one of the defensive tackles, if I'm not mistaken, that at least tried to, he dove and tried to trip up. Uh, Sam Darnold but he didn't he didn't get him but that was that play alone I know that set everybody afar they you know we were thinking like you know holy shit this is it you know the, the Jets are gonna run all over us you know people started thinking bad and I'll admit for a few seconds I started thinking the same thing because this was a play that should have never happened, even if Alexander Johnson missed missed the tackle because he came in flying like a rocket. And sometimes when you go flying in like that, and a, a mobile quarterback, they just have to do like one little uh, juke move or a spin move or something just to dodge it if they can see it in time. But if they can't, then you know obviously it, it's it's a sack. 
but the fact that our safeties are, um, you know, Simmons, I don't know if he, like I said, I don't know if he overran his route or if he tried to guess where Sam Darnold, maybe he thought that Sam Darnold was going to run towards the, um, the, the line and he, and he overshot himself. I don't know, but Kareem Jackson, not making a dive or a play or an, even an attempt. He just looked like, I don't know. To me, that, that really bothered me. And it's, it's starting to seem like we're not seeing the, you know, the, that, that Kareem Jackson that we, honestly, the Kareem Jackson that we have this year was kind of like the one that I thought we were going to get last year when he signed with Denver, because I thought, you know, you know, we were going to have to take time to get acclimated into the defense, you know, and maybe he wasn't going to be, um, all that, all that good like he was when he was with, uh, with Houston, but when I had high hopes for Jackson, but so far him nor uh, Justin Simmons. I mean, Justin Simmons, to his credit, he's only had the, the interception he had against Big Ben two weeks ago. But other than that, they really haven't been that amazing dynamic duo that we were expecting out of them. And uh, Simmons, he he's making his 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 case for for a better contract that much more harder for Elway and company to to decide at the end of the season because he's he hasn't really done anything worth it to you know say hey I'm I'm worth all this money and you know if if Earl Thomas wasn't didn't have such a bad character to his name they may have even been brought up like hey we should probably sign Earl Thomas to come in and play with either Jackson and maybe help you know light light a fire under his ass and you know get him to play better or vice versa but i don't think we need uh earl thomas well we definitely don't need earl thomas because that guy i don't care how good he is he's a he's a cancer in in any locker room and when you can't make it with a defense like the one that the ravens were running and and it, and the other and on the other side of that it also it's a it's a big difference i mean you look at, at what the ravens had done to them uh, last Monday night against the Chiefs. They got carved up by Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, uh, Earl Thomas, he's a he's a good player, but at the same time, the bad doesn't counteract with the good. It's more like the bad weighs more than the good, and it's not really worth it. I'm pretty sure he's gonna end up with a team. It just, I just don't think it's gonna be Denver, even with our our safeties currently struggling. But hopefully, this is just. You know something that uh, Kareem and and Justin can you know get their pretty much you know find their their groove and you know get get shit back on track because that play that play right there it should have never happened it should have never gotten that far and unfortunately it did and it just goes to show that if these guys can't find a way to get themselves motivated or to turn to you know kind of up the ante and be that's part of that supporting cast that the defense has, has always been known for then that's a problem and that's a problem that's gonna have to be addressed if not now you know more sooner than later but I, I i still have hope for them i really do i love those guys i think they're you know in the previous day uh games they've been great but so far on that defense they've been kind of like the the weak link so to speak so hopefully they can get that changed around but Aside from that, you know, 
kudos to Vic Fangio for turning the a page over a new leaf and finally doing what a lot of Broncos country uh, couch GMs <laughs> have have been asking for, and that's blitzing. Because blitzing, Sam Darnold, even after he came back and after that uh, her pretty nasty sack he took where he, I'm pretty, I thought he dislocated his shoulder or something serious. Kind of like what happened to Locke two weeks ago. But the blitzing was able to get Sam Darnold out of a rhythm, especially when he tried to pick up momentum on certain drives. And this is exactly what this defense needs to do. They need to mix a blitz in with not always, you know, sticking to cover plays or or man coverage. They need to do blitzing. Because as we also saw from the defensive side of the point, S.A. Bassey, I'm sorry if I keep butchering your name, Bassey is still really, really rough around the edges. I mean, in man coverage, he he got he, he wasn't his strong suit. I don't think he played all that great in, in coverage. And um, and then look what happened. The one thing I've been saying since the start of this season, play Devontae Bosby. And Devontae Bosby comes in and that guy just puts on a show. This is the exact same kind of guy that I've been pitching since the start of this season. And that man went out there and proved my point. If that game does not convince the coaching staff that Bosby needs to be on this uh, starting uh, defensive team, even when Bouye comes back, then I don't know what else these guys, the coaching staff needs to see to, to prove his point. Because Bosby was just magnificent out there. He actually did what he was supposed to do. Now, granted, he has more experience than, than Bassey and even Ojemudia. And Ojemudia, he's going to... You know, he's going to have bad plays. He's still a rookie. But it's right now, the Den, the Broncos aren't really in a position where they can, you know, kind of test to see what they have with their rookies. Right now, Denver is at the recording, making of this recording, Denver is one and three. So they have a lot of catching up to do, and they can't really take a chance in trying to, you know, see what a rookie can do and not expect them not to give up a, you know, a big play against certain uh, teams so having Bassey out there I know Callahan Callahan did pretty decent he did pretty good there was he did struggle against man-to-man there were a couple of man-to-man plays where I remember he got beat so man-to-man isn't really his his strong suit but he didn't really give up anything huge so Callahan over the last couple of of games he's been really good and he hasn't gotten injured which is you know fantastic and um, it's we still haven't been able to see how him and AJ Bouye when he comes back if they can be that really one-two punch combo that we've kind of been hyping them up to be in the off season. But I really think they will be, and hopefully uh, when uh, Bouye comes back, I hope he's not rushed back, and I hope he comes back when he's ready to come back because I I think with those two corners back maybe they can help make our safeties a little bit relevant again. And, you know, not force Kareem Jackson to be a, you know, a hybrid quarterback or uh, a same thing with with Simmons. But also our our linebackers uh, Thursday night, they played really good. I honestly think they did. Uh, We saw the Josie Jewell that we uh, really, really missed last week against the Bucks. But the one that we saw against uh, Tennessee and little flashings of of himself with the with the Steelers. So. You know, Josie Jewell is a guy that really 
really astounds me because it's it's like we hype him one game, then the next game he does mediocre to not so good. So it's like, you know, it's a pat on the back. And then the next game he comes back and he goes out there and, you know, he plays great. So we're kind of like on this roller coaster with, with uh, well, as we like to call him in, in our other podcast, uh, Honey Bear. Uh, you know, Honey Bear is on a you know on a roller coaster of yay and aw and yay and aw and yay, you know. So we need to find a common path with Jewel where he just stays great. Because I know him and Alexander Johnson, they really had some big shoes to fill when the Broncos moved down from Todd Davis. But so far, I think that they've done a, a really good job. They got in there. They didn't let any running backs get any big plays. They stuffed the run. Alexander Johnson, he played a hell of a game. I know he wishes he would have gotten that sack uh, on Darnold when he gave up that uh, that touchdown. Although I will say, and this is going back a little bit further, that that spin around sack that he did on Darnold, you know, and, and you and Broncos country, you might hate me for saying this, but I think he should have gotten flagged because I think it was a little excessive, and I think that came because. You know, Alexander Johnson obviously was beat on that uh, on that run that Darnold had done the drive before. So, I, to me, it kind of made it look like it was like he like it like he took it personally, you know. And it, I think it was uncalled for. And as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, reading an article just before I I went uh, recording, Sam Darnold is not even playing. For the next coming game against the Cardinals, it's Joe Flacco starting. So that kind of you know begs the question: if if Darnold actually made it worse for himself going out there and playing the entire game when he should have just sat out and let Joe Flacco uh, take over. So uh, I mean, a sack is a sack, but the way the sack went down to me, I felt it was kind of it was a little dirty, and it it was really uncalled for. I don't think he needed to spin him around all that much. I especially don't think he needed to slam him the way he did. And I'm thinking maybe the NFL might might find him for that, but I just that to me is my only gripe with with the defense. Well, my second gripe, I should say. Uh, we just we, we can't play dirty. We can't stoop to the level that the that the Jets defense was playing that night because holy shit, man! <laughs> Six personal fouls against Rippin. Are you serious? Like that boggles the mind. How is it that they went six games or six games, six penalties, and not one single person got? Like there should be like a, a rule or something where if you accrue six personal foul penalties, you know somebody's got to be ejected from the game or something. Because you know it, that's a, that's uncalled for. That's really dirty football. It it honestly is. And you know we'll we'll talk about the ending to that game. A little bit later on this on this episode but let's switch focus a little bit to the offense the switching of the right tackle from Elijah Wilkinson to DeMar Dotson is a revelation and I'm pretty sure it's a revelation to everybody on that coaching staff especially Pat Shermer um, I know I'm pretty sure Vic Fangio took no notice and so did our uh, offensive line coach but this is something also that couch GMs have been calling for since the Titans game. And it's like nobody listened. And I really said that I didn't want it to come down to Elijah Wilkinson getting hurt for for them to get uh, to make the switch. 
because I don't want to see any Broncos player get hurt and being forced to, uh, you know, give up their spot. You know, especially because most right now, injuries for the Broncos, you know, the second most injured team in the NFL, and we can't really risk it. Even though Wilkinson played like shit as a right tackle, and that's not his true position. He's more of a guard. So, you know, I, I hope Wilkinson gets healthy. I hope he comes back, but not as a right tackle. I just hope he goes back to being, you know, playing for death in case Glasgow and um, and Reisner, you know, knock on wood, they don't go down. But we also need to talk about um, those, those two guys before, uh, well, actually, before that. You know, DeMar Dotson, he wasn't the greatest, but he was a much better improvement, a big step of improvement over Wilkinson. Because if you notice, Rippon had a good amount of time in that first half to throw the ball. He wasn't rushed. He wasn't forced to throw on the run. He actually had the few seconds that he needed to, you know, diagnose the, the defense and make a play. So... I, I think that the DeMar Dotson is going to be our starting right tackle for the rest of the season. I hope he does and he stays because the the latter, if, if Dotson goes down, we'll, we'll just be going back, you know, back two steps and being back to square one. So uh, congrats to uh, DeMar Dotson for going out there and playing a really good game. And uh, our guards for the fourth straight game, they, they're struggling. Uh, Glasgow has been getting beat. Uh, and so has uh, Dalton Reisner. Cushenberry, Cushenberry, I don't think he he played that bad of a game this this one, but he's still a rookie, so he's gonna he's gonna struggle all of the season until he finally you know gets the groove of how uh, the defensive lines in the NFL work, and you know he finally gets his feet planted, and you know he 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 gets he gets his he gets his shit together basically. But in this game, he he played pretty good. He played pretty solid. He didn't give up any huge pressures. He wasn't beat at the line like he was the last two weeks. So I, I hope that he's learning how to plant his feet and, you know, how to help solidify that line. But going back to our, our guards, they got beat a couple of times on the line. And it wasn't just like the, the regular, you know, type of beat. It was kind of like the they shouldn't have gotten beat type of play. So... Uh, I I hope that they're not dealing with some kind of I, I really doubt that they're dealing with some kind of unmentioned injury and you know that's why they're struggling on this is Dalton's second year and I I, I honestly don't know uh, Glasgow I know he came from uh, the Lions and he was highly touted as a as a pretty good guard by by Elway so I I hope that they can find a way to because that's honestly the 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 only part of that line aside from the center that you know is kind of having trouble keeping the quarterback clean and i i didn't think we'd have that problem with the jets i thought that those that those guys would be able to hold their own and you know the quarterback wouldn't have to uh, struggle but it's it's just it's kind of concerning at this point because we're you know we're going into week 5 and so far the those those guards haven't had a really good game where they actually held their own and hopefully they can, like I said, I hope they're not dealing with any injuries. I hope they can turn it around and I do hope that they can, uh, you know, get it together because otherwise they, they might be, I don't think they'll be 
you know, benched because the, the ladder against them is not really that good and benching them wouldn't be the, the right message. But I, I hope they can get it together. And I hope that O-line can solidify themselves and be a really, really powerful and dominant offensive line to when Drew Locke comes back. And that leaves us to the left tackle who, you know, folks, I, I said this publicly on, on a Denver Broncos uh, Facebook post, and I think that we owe Garrett Bowles an apology, and especially me, because I talked so much shit about Garrett Bowles last year. You know, I made fun of him. I was on the bandwagon of saying, hey, you know, Garrett Bowles got to go. I was real happy when Denver pulled off from his fifth-year option, not signing him next year. But so far, Garrett Bowles has been the best player on that offensive line. And he's, he's been rated as one of the best tackles in the league, too. So this this man, is he's playing for another contract. He's playing to stay in Denver. And so far, he's done a fantastic job. Like on that play where Jerry Judy, oh, my God, that play where Jerry Judy scored and the fact that Garrett Bowles ran all the way over there to be one of the first guys to, you know, uh, celebrate with him on Judy's first touchdown was amazing and to me it it felt great it felt great to see Garrett Bowles kind of being the guy that we expected him to be when he got drafted a few years ago and I guess it just took time you know you know kudos to Mike Munchak for you know being um, patient with him and not giving up on him when most of Broncos country uh, you know had and even the the staff for pulling off from his fifth-year option and I do hope that if Garrett Bowles can continue playing like this and playing at an elite level or uh, exceeding to an elite level, I should say, that he gets a contract and he gets to stay and be that, you know, that protector to uh, Drew uh, for Drew Locke. Because, you know, tackles are really hard to find, especially guards and maybe even centers. They're, they're almost as rare to find as quarterbacks. But... He, he's done a great job. He, he really has. And, you know, I, I want to be one of the first people to say, you know, I apologize for making fun of you, Garrett. You know, please, please continue the good play. Please continue, you know, opening up holes for our running backs and, you know, just being that great, awesome guy. And hopefully you and DeMar Dotson can be that, you know, that, that those good tackles at Denver needs. I mean, we obviously won't know what's in Jawan James until next year. But uh, with so far from what we saw in that game, that that O line has been able to keep the quarterback, given that quarterback just enough time to make uh, a play, a good play, and not a rush play, and not throw off the back of your feet, or not scramble and throw like we've been seeing for the last three, uh, you know, three weeks. So moving on, we go to well, let's, since we talked about it, Jerry Judy. Oh my goodness, that man went for two receptions for 61 yards and that beautiful touchdown. I mean, to be, not only was it his first touchdown as a Bronco or in the NFL, it was one to remember because he just snatched the ball. Even though Rippin uh, underthrew it, he snatched the ball away from the defender and almost looked like he moonwalked into the end zone for a touchdown. I mean... You couldn't have wrote it or played it or made it better than that. It was just fantastic. And I, for one, 
I for one am excited because if he can do stuff like that with you know with a back a third string or second string uh, quarterback, I can only imagine what he can do when Drew Locke comes healthy and they can finally get some sort of chemistry going, you know, and rhythm. And right now is the best time to do it because once Corlin Sutton comes back next season, you know, Jerry Judy will probably be knocked back down to you know wide receiver number two. So right now he's got some pretty good competition in that uh in that regard with uh unfortunately kj hamler is still hurt from the uh from the hamstring so we have yet to see what kj hamler can do at his full potential i know we saw glimpses of him last week but that that nagging hamstring injury i um, unfortunately i think is going to be nagging him most of the season uh but tim patrick also you know six receptions 113 yards for and he had one touchdown and it was just amazing tim patrick also i know he's been bouncing back and forth on the team from practice squad to uh you know to the depth depth chart and everything but he's just played really great football he really has and he's been one of the the shining shining cornerstones of this offense and he continue he continues to play really well and i think that he's got a pretty bright future in denver uh, especially when you have other guys like uh, De- you know Deshaun Hamilton, he only had one reception, but he had only nine yards in total for the entire game. And unfortunately, he's outshining a guy like Hamilton, who I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not. I am really losing faith in Hamilton. I I don't think he's going to be a Bronco for much longer if that keeps up. He really hasn't made a case for himself in terms of showing why he should be ahead of somebody like Tim Patrick. So unless Hamilton has a turnaround couple of games in the upcoming future, his, his future in Denver is uh, it's not looking good. Also, Melvin Gordon, he had two receptions for 11 yards. And he, yeah, he ran for a touchdown. I don't know why this says, yeah, this says he didn't have a touchdown. That's wrong. But he was targeted three times. Melvin Gordon played a hell of a oh that's because i'm reading the (laughs) sorry i was reading the wrong one i was reading the receiving he ran for 11 yards receiving he had 107 yards and two touchdowns and he carried the ball 23 times so i stand corrected but melvin gordon yeah he played really really amazing it was great it was it this was exactly why you paid that man and also, I think a lot of people had to eat crow because I know a lot of people were bitching and, you know, they were mad that, you know, Denver went out and paid all this money for Melvin Gordon when we got Philip Lindsay. And don't get me wrong. I love Lindsay, too, just as much as I like Gordon. But Melvin Gordon is doing exactly what he got paid for because nobody knew that that Philip Lindsay was going to get hurt in the very first week and, and go down with the turf toe. And as far as I know, I don't know if he's um, coming to play against New England this coming week. I think he's still questionable. So he might sit out one more game just to be 100% sure that he can come back. Uh, But don't hold me to that. I haven't read the actual injury report yet. But Melvin Gordon went out there and he played an excellent game. You know, two touchdowns for 107 yards, especially when he stretched his arm. And which was kind of dangerous because if somebody comes, they could have knocked it out of his hand. But, you know, he went out there and he made the play. He needed to do what needed to be done, and it was great. But this is exactly what we expect out of Melvin Gordon. This is why he's getting paid $16 million. 
And he, for the second time in the in, in two games, he went out there and he did great. And he's taking advantage of it because he has. Because once Lindsey comes back, we might not see this kind of um, of, of play from Gordon. He's going to have to start splitting reps with, uh, with Lindsey. But then... On the other hand, that's going to go back to what I said, where they can be that one-two punch combination, you know, where Lindsay's more evasive and, and quicker than Gordon. Gordon is more of a power back. So the Pat Shermer can use that to his advantage and, you know, trick trick the defense when if they ever decide to stack the box. You can have Lindsay run around the edges or trick them when they think that uh, if they're going to throw, you can have, you know, Gordon power through the middle. So the, the offensive schemes are, they'll be more, variable once Lindsay comes back but even though it's kind of one-sided with Gordon and you know I know we do have uh, Freeman was behind him, but Freeman only had six yards on three carries and he only averaged two yards so again Melvin Gordon is still the bell cow and if Lindsay doesn't come back uh, for uh, the game against the, the Patriots that's gonna pretty much stay the same and uh, going to on to the quarterback Brett Rippon Ah, Brett Rippon, 19, uh, he had 31 attempts, completed 19, he went for 242 yards, two touchdowns in the first half, but had that really, really ugly three interceptions. And it was kind of, it was beautiful in the first half, and then the second half just got really ugly. But you also have to understand that Brett Rippon isn't a long-term answer. He's exactly what he was brought on to be, and that's just a third-string quarterback. And he played right behind Driscoll. But the way or the things that I saw from him really impressed me at first. I did see some good, and I did see some bad. So I'm pretty sure you're wondering what the good and the bad are. Well, I'm going to tell you, but unfortunately, we have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these kind words. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we're breaking down the Broncos game between the Broncos and the Jets. And I'm going to tell you about our boy Brett Rippon and the good and the bad that I saw from him from that game. Brett Rippon on that first half almost looked like kind of like an early version of of Drew Locke, if you can remember, where he made great plays. But the second half, Brett Rippon, it looked like that's what we expected. Uh, that first interception he threw was supposed to be out of bounds, but unfortunately he threw it just enough where uh, the cornerback, and that's the same cornerback, mind you, that burned him on that Jerry Judy, that that he burned, I'm, I'm sorry, that he burned on that Jerry Judy touchdown pass was able to drag his feet and make the interception. And then in the second one, he threw a pick six right to the same guy. And then the third one is just, it was just bad reads. And that's what it's kind of like, it kind of brought the Denver Broncos back down to reality because going into the, the half, you know, Denver was up pretty good amount and it looked like they, you know, they had this game in the bag, but the Jets, they the defense they kept they kept trying to keep it close and so did Sam Darnold but Rippin hopefully he learned that a when you throw away a ball you can't throw it that close to the uh, to the out of bounds line if you're gonna throw it away 
it's either overhead or just where you got to throw it where nobody can make a play like that. Um, and second, it no quarterback is going to, especially a starting quarterback, is ever going to learn how to read the defenses that quick, especially in a week. It To do things like that, you need time, you need experience, you know. And unfortunately, th- those types of mistakes, um, as long as if Rippon takes, takes over again, uh, for the next game, we might see him make more mistakes like that where he thinks receivers are open and unfortunately he gets rushed or, you know, he, he spends too long in the pocket or he holds the ball too long. So, but it's an, it's a lesson taught where when you watch back the tape that hopefully he limits the damage. You know, he's not going to be able to avoid it, but hopefully he can limit it where if he does do it again, it's only hopefully just once, you know, so on, but even though they were bad interceptions, he still did enough where it wasn't enough for coach Fangio to put in Driscoll, even though Driscoll did have just one, one play, but he just ran the ball. He didn't throw it or anything, but it wasn't enough for coach Fangio to give up on him and say, Hey, you know, or Shermer, you know, say, hey, pull him in. Let's put in Driscoll just to make sure that uh, Denver didn't blow the lead. And I honestly think that Rippon, if, if Drew Locke doesn't get cleared to start against New England, I think that Rippon's going to start again. And unfortunately, what Rippon has to take also in, in account is that even though the Jets had three turnovers, they weren't able to do anything with them. They just turned them into field goals. But you can't make that mistakes against the, the better teams like like New England. You you throw three picks against New England, New England's gonna make you pay for them. Uh, but and as I say that, I said that with Cam Newton in mind leading the the Patriots. We saw what what uh, Stidham and um, and Hoyer did last night against the Chiefs, and I like to think that our defense is better than the Chiefs. And unfortunately, it looks like that game is probably going to be a lot closer than people might think. <laughs> but either way, any. But my point is, is that you can't make three interceptions and not expect the deep or always expect the defense to bail you out, especially when you when you turn it over in your own side of the field and you give the advantage to the opponent. So if Rippon can clear up those types of uh, plays, you know, the, I mean, obviously the first one was pretty boneheaded, but the, the other two, the pick six and then the other pick, if he can not turn the ball over, that'd be great <laughs> because uh, I'm telling you, if, if he can do that, I'm pretty sure he can move. Oh, he can probably move up in front of Driscoll if, if he can go and get a win against New England. And at this point, I don't really see why they even drafted Blake Bortles. And I know they got him for cheap off the um, off waivers or whatever, but it's not. I, I honestly don't see why you need him at, at this point. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Denver keeps um, Bortles on, I don't know, in the practice squad or if they just keep him around or I don't know what they're going to do with him. I I don't think that Bortles will ever suit up in a Broncos uniform unless, you know, the inevitable or the worst case scenario happens where we lose a backup quarterback. But 
uh, at this point, I, I don't really I don't really see a need to to keep him around. And to be honest with you, I'd rather put in Driscoll than, than Portals out there because I, I don't think there's any amount of time where Bortles can absorb the entire Broncos playbook and expect him to be that that guy to you know lead us to a, a victory should he ever be needed to go out there and you know cover for an injured player but hopefully it doesn't come to that <laughs> let's just let's just put it out there hopefully Rippin can be the guy that you know continues to be the band-aid until Drew Locke comes back and dear god do we miss you Drew Locke and uh, we we need you we need you to come back uh, healthy and hopefully you're you're pretty happy with what you're seeing out of the offense. I mean, obviously not with the interceptions, but that you're happy with how the offensive line is starting to sort of come together, especially on the tackle side. The guards are still kind of, eh, you know, they need some work. But at least it shouldn't be as bad as what happened to you. Uh, like I'm talking to him, to happen to Locke where he got hurt. But I think that we'll be a little bit better when he comes back. And I mean a little bit better because we still need to kind of get that whole formation thing going. And I don't, I don't, we still have to see how fast Drew Locke can, you know, get some chemistry going with Jerry Judy and and Tim Patrick. You know, these are two guys that he wasn't playing with before. Uh, Noah Fant also went down with an injury, an ankle injury, so he won't be back for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure how extended his his time his uh, his timeline is. It's not enough to put him on IR, but I know he won't be back against the Patriots next week. I'm guessing maybe he could come back after the bye, worst case scenario. And uh, we still have Butt and we still have Van A. I call him Van A. <laughs> uh, but Unfortunately, Nick Vanette, see, not call him it. Nick Vanette hasn't really been, hasn't really proved that he's a viable tight end. He hasn't proved a reason why he was even worth the acquisition. He's just been there, but he hasn't done anything uh, fruitful, I guess you could say. I do think that this is when we'll, if I don't know how Albert O's condition is, but I think if he's good to go, he might be activated to come and play. And it'd be interesting to see what Alberto can do, even though him and Drew Locke have the better chemistry than uh, Alberto and Rippin. But you never know. But somebody needs to come in and fill in for Fant while uh, Fant's injured. And I think Alberto would be, uh, I think, a pretty good choice, even though he's going to come in as a rookie. But I think Alberto has a better chance of doing, uh, putting up some better numbers than than Nick Vanette does. And Jake Butt. He's there, but another guy who hasn't really been, really been in an impact. And thank God he hasn't gotten hurt in the game. He's only he was only targeted once, and he had no receptions and no yards. So he's been used more as a decoy and maybe a blocker than you know for an actual, uh, like dangerous tight end. I guess you could say kind of like what Noah Fant is. So. With that in general, just just speaking clearly, this was a game that was, like I said, it was a must win for Denver. And they actually went out there and they saved their season because 
the teams that are that are zero and four right now, like you know, like the Jets, the Giants, the the Texans, they're they're pretty much they're in bigger troubles and they have much bigger issues at hand. And you know, the Texans being one of the first teams to jump on, you know, firing their head coach, uh, Bill O'Brien, and this is something that Denver needs to avoid. If they can get some momentum going before they they go into their bye week, it would really, really do wonders in terms of motivation. It can get this team, you know, back on track and hyped up and kind of not always let them fall back towards always thinking that this team isn't great because of the injuries. You know, there's always that there's that saying about, you know, next man up, which is true, but it, it's obviously it, it whoever comes in for whoever your star player was before they always come in with big shoes to fill and you know there's always going to be people comparing them but at the same time it's you can't expect them to be as good as the person they're replacing but you have to believe or you have to expect that they can be good enough to be on the team and you know help the team get that win so and the pass rushing. Oh, I almost forgot about the pass rushing. Bradley Chubb. He's starting to look like the Bradley Chubb of old. I mean, he was great. Uh, Shelby Harris, I hope you're okay. I know you went down a couple times with uh, with some injuries. Mike Purcell played a really good game. Uh, I know he just got signed to a, a, a big big contract, if I'm not mistaken, for I think for another three or four years. Uh, but... This is exactly what we needed out of Bradley Chubb. We needed him to go into against the Jets and have a really big game. And that's what he did. He went out there and he got that crucial sack on fourth down that turned the ball over for the Broncos. And I still think that we need a veteran pass rusher. I know I've read on some places that say, you know, we're, we're good with Malik Reed and uh, just have to wait out until Latachu comes back from, from injury. But... As much as that's great and everything, you still need that that wombo combo. Even if they, whatever veteran, if they can get a veteran pass rusher from free agency, they don't have to play every down. They can just play third down and, you know, be just that force to turn the ball over. Malik Reed, he's a decent player, but he hasn't been that impactful. I know he got, he had a lot of hype and I've talked about this before. He's, he's been pretty hyped. Since last, since preseason of last year, and, and don't get me wrong, I watched preseason last year, and you know he did pretty good. But again, that's only against you know second and third uh, string uh, players, and so far he hasn't really been that that guy. And it's it's hard for me to say that because he's playing uh, for an injured Von Miller, and that that's 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 a lot. That says a lot. That's a lot to you know compare it to, but if Malik Reed can't can't find a way to turn it around and be that aggressive guy that you know to complement Bradley Chubb and to punish quarterbacks for holding the ball as long as he does, then before I don't I don't think I wouldn't say trade because I don't think Elway can I don't think Elway wants to spend any more money or give up draft picks for trading for a good pass rusher. So I I think that I, I I don't know. I'm trying to figure out as as I'm making this what who I know the, the Terrell Suggs 
I think, was one of the names mentioned. I know Clay Matthews is still out there. But those are guys that I think are just, they want a bigger payday. It's not so much that they don't want to play for Denver at all. I think it's just that they want a bigger payday. Uh, And that's probably why they don't want to come. But at the same time, who knows? Maybe they'll crack under the pressure and they'll find a a decent price to settle for both teams. Uh, I mean, it's only week five. We're a quarter ways halfway through the season. A lot can still happen in the next couple of weeks. But if we can find just a... A, a veteran pass rusher I think that that, that defensive line will be as dangerous uh, again I don't know how I didn't read anything about Shelby Harris on the injury report about any lingering issues which is good uh, I know he went down about twice I think once he was out of breath and the other one somebody hit him or landed on him or something but he's he's been a great asset and I that's the one guy that we, we can't afford to, to get hurt at all aside from Chubb because that pressure he brings from the inside is just it's it's amazing and we were really hoping before Jarrell Casey got hurt that you know between the two of them they can you know break through the guards in the center and and be that guy to force the quarterback into the hands of into somebody else but Mike Purcell he's he's done pretty good I mean he hasn't been that a, a huge you know nose like a big monster so to speak but he's done he's done his job he's gotten in there when he needed to and signing him to a big contract was was a good deal because you know great good nose tackles are are hard to find I know that's the position that that Shelby Harris tried to play last year and it it really wasn't his strong suit and he struggled a lot so when he got moved and he played more of a defensive uh, defensive tackle he that that's where he's currently at now if I'm not mistaken that's that's a strong suit so finding where the players play their best is exactly what they need to do and that's also what they did when they brought in Bosby if I'm not mistaken uh you know Callahan switched to the what was it the slot I think and and it it worked the cornerbacks played what they were what they're supposed to so with that in mind the Broncos have a pretty good or the defensive side of the Broncos have a really good matchup going into uh, New England because un- unlike the last 20 years, they, they're they not playing against, you know, an elite offense and Tom Brady and, you know, an aging Edelman and uh, Amendola and, and Gronkowski. They're going into with, a, I mean, it, it might be a, a low scoring affair between the two because both offenses are, are struggling. And they're both almost in the same situation of not having their their star quarterback starting. So it, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. It, I mean, it could be, but I'd like to think that maybe you know Denver has the the advantage going into that. But we'll talk more about that in uh, in well, I'll address that later. Let's just put it that way. But in terms of this this game, to to wrap it up. This game was, like I keep saying over and over, it was a must win. And it was a great win for the offense. And it was a great view for the defense to see that if they blitz the ball and force the quarterback to make more uncomfortable throws, the that's better. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying that in a Vic Fangio defensive scheme. But that's what they need to do. They need to force 
the quarterback to make uncomfortable throws. So when so you give your offense a chance to make legitimate well, I don't know if legitimate is the right word. Or, or, or keep leads or make comebacks if you know if the Broncos are falling behind. Now, to talk about the end of that game, uh, and I, 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 I've been I've been trying to look for for a reason why. It, to me, it, it's, it's it's like part of me thinks it's bad blood, and by that I mean you know even though uh, the Broncos were still throwing the ball on fourth down, uh, you know towards the end of the game, and you know keep getting flagged. That's the kind of shit that I do in Madden. That's why I, I started laughing because I'm like, this is the shit that I do. But I only do it against the teams I don't like. And that's the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Those are the only three teams I do that with. The other teams, I take a knee, and that's the end of the game. But when there's those three teams, even though I have the, the lead and even though I'm going to win, I always just I run the clock down because sometimes I get lucky and I you know I break out for, for a run and a touchdown or I get lucky on a th- just a long random throw and a wide receiver makes a catch so that's what i think this that's what i thought about when i saw this i thought it was still some bad blood between uh you know gase and and vic fangio from their days with the bears and the fact that you know vic fangio could be heard you know telling his guys you know go to the fucking locker room uh and uh, some of them did some of them you know went and did the you know the gg salute and what have you but the coaches didn't go to the middle of the field for the handshake and they just they went to their respective locker rooms and you know some people started saying it's because of um uh what do you call it um uh, i blanked out coronavirus you know that they didn't want to go and spread the germs or whatever and i, I don't think that's that was it because mostly everybody that I saw from the last couple of weeks they go in and some of them do handshakes some of them do you know the, the elbow or just at least they meet midfield and but they they all they've all gotten tested so mo- they shouldn't really have I know that they're being forced to wear masks or shields but that's just as a precaution it's not really a, a necessity so to speak so I I don't I don't honestly know. I don't honestly know why Denver didn't just, you know, take knees to run out the clock, why they kept trying to run the ball or throw the ball. I and you know the defense uh Greg Williams runs a really, really, really dirty really dirty defense. And I can start this I can see why the Jets haven't pulled the plug on Adam Gase because if I'm not mistaken, if Adam Gase gets fired and that day is coming, mind you but I don't think it'll happen until the end of the season because if he gets fired right now, I think Greg Williams takes over as interim head coach, if I'm not mistaken. So I could be wrong, and maybe that's why they don't want Greg Williams as the interim head coach and you know, maybe make the team worse than it already is. Although I don't honestly think how you can be any worse than where the team is right now. But it, it, it's, it's, I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, hopefully, I don't. It's not because of bad blood. Because you you really don't want to have things like that. You know, you don't want to have an axe to grind with people like that. Because you never know when you have to maybe work again together someday on a team. And 
you know, Adam Gase, he's not a great head coach, but you know, the 2013 uh, offense with him and Peyton Manning isn't great without him, you know? And he only had one bad game and that was against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. And so I, I think that him as a head as a head coach is his days are coming to an end and he's already shown that he can't be a good head coach. He can he can be a hell of an offensive coordinator, which I'm thinking he'll probably go back to once he gets fired. But it's I, I, I don't know. Honestly don't, but like I said, I, I hope it's not because they I know both of them have said it's not personal, it's not bad blood, it's you know, they were just trying to avoid quote their their guys fighting with the Broncos guys. And to an extent that was kind of true because Garrett Bowles, when Vic Fangio was pushing him over, Garrett Bowles was talking shit to somebody and it looked like he was ready to fuck somebody up. So I kinda of believe it. So maybe it's a little bit of a truth of both worlds. But anyway, good thing is Broncos win. We're on to New England. And if you want to hear about uh, the my predictions for New York, uh, New York, New England, well, then you're just going to have to wait because that's the end of this episode. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit and listen to me wherever you are, whether you're exercising or watching your kids or doing whatever it is and hearing me ramble on uh week after week but that's going to do it for today's episode guys hope you enjoyed it uh if you guys want to reach out to me on twitter my twitter handle is a uh the number six ft10 mexican all together you can all if you want to email me about questions or comments or whatever you want to say about the show you can uh, email me at broncos talk uh 2020 at gmail.com also, uh, I'm also on another podcast. I know I've mentioned this a couple of times. It's the Mile High Roundtable, where I'm with my friends Mundungus, Christy, and Glenn, three of the most loyal and smartest and prettiest, and I'll let you pick which one is which, <laughs> of my friends that are diehard Broncos fans. And we meet every Thursday live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can find us on there and we talk about the upcoming game. We recap the game from the week before and we'll also give our predictions as to how the Broncos are going to do in their upcoming game. So, you know, come on now, give us a watch, subscribe and just have a good time just like we do every time we go live. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day and so long from Broncos country. <laughs>